From Jerusalem, Israel, this is From the Midwest to the Middle East, the podcast that explores everything new in U.S. and Israeli economy. Here's your host, Philip Stein. I'm really pleased to be having this podcast today. First of all, this episode is brought to you by Philip Stein and Associates, the largest U.S. CPA firm in Israel, providing U.S. tax services to Israelis, Americans, corporations, startups, and anyone else needing them. Hi, I have a guest today named Simon Fried. Simon is the CBO at Nano Dimension, which is an Israeli startup researching and developing advanced 3D printed tech electronics. He has experience as a strategic consultant and marketing advisor to both multinational companies and startups, which he's developed over the course of a 15-year career that spans a range of industries, including financial services, fast-moving consumer goods, automotive, retail, medical devices, and software. Simon has an MBA from HOTS, Etudes Commerciales de Paris, excuse me, my French is not too good, and and he has a degree in behavioral economics from our Oxford in risk and choice from University College London. Welcome, Simon. Thank you, thank you. That was an uh, ex- extremely comprehensive introduction, and it was actually uh, brought, brought back a few memories. It looks like you've sold just about everything or, or are familiar with about every product line out there, uh, but today we're going to talk about your newest venture, uh, which is 3D printing or 3D printed electronics. So uh, let's let's get started. So Simon, your company is called Nano Dimension. Your product is a 3D printer. The terms nano and 3D are words my listeners read and hear about. But how do they come together in your company? Well, 3, 3D printing might be the more familiar of those of those two terms, and 3D printing, or as it's sometimes called, also additive manufacturing, is this technological area where objects are created essentially from from the bottom up layer by layer you could almost imagine um you know if the world if the world were made of lego bricks you could build any object out of legos as long as you had enough of them you just have to start at the bottom and you put the bricks in the right place and in the end you've got you've got that object that you were planning to build so it's a little bit like lego it's just that because it's also nano uh, what you're doing is your bricks are very, very small. So we use inks that are um, made of nanomaterials, meaning that you're talking nanometer size, um, uh, you know, objects within your inks, and you can use those to build up the larger object that you're trying to make. So in our particular, in nanodimensions case, we use nano inks, in order to create objects that are then used to, you know, to, to wire electronics. If you're familiar with the motherboard in your computer, you have, you know, usually that green PCB. Um, it's that rectangular object, and you find them in pretty much any electronic device nowadays. Uh, and what NanoDimension is doing is essentially printing those PCBs um, using a 3D printer, and what are called functional inks that have electrical properties. Very interesting. So let me go a little further then. My my listeners certainly are familiar, I think, with the term, or maybe they're not, 
printed circuit boards, or PCB, as you call them. I mean, we're all using them every day in every product, probably, that we're using, be it our phones or our computers or any advanced electronic device. But when they think of that term, I think people who have heard it think of a a chip or an integrated circuit. When I think of creating such a product such as yours, I think of a large factory like Intel with people wearing sterile, special sterile suits and are working on these boards. Would you call your technology the, the fast food equivalent of the integrated circuit industry? Well, that's that's certainly one 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 way of putting it. Uh, there's certainly chips involved, and uh, to that extent, you know, there's a, a clear connection to fast food. Um, but what we're really looking at is uh, companies like Intel. They typically make the components that go onto the PCB, whereas what we do is the printed circuit board that that we're printing. Nowadays, you would typically find that kind of manufacturing done in factories in places like uh, China or Taiwan, where these things are indeed made in huge factories, uh, which are usually very environmentally unfriendly, using chemicals that uh, are often, uh, oftentimes even not allowed uh, to be used in places like the U.S. or Western Europe. And this means that a lot of this industry has moved over to Asia, um, and part of the challenge that we're, we're trying to, to help people with is the speed with which they can develop new products. And uh, it takes them at the moment, they have to ask somebody in Taiwan or somebody in China to make that prototype for them, which they then uh, ultimately uh, have to, you know, have to have shipped over, FedExed over to the, the, the original ordering party who then can test it out. But they've waited for two or three weeks for this thing to arrive. And in you, using your, your device or your printer, how long uh, could it take for that same company? Uh, well, you know, what you'll essentially achieve is instead of asking that guy in China, you'll print it out overnight. I see. So you have, you have some plan, you sit with it, your team or somebody sits with their team and you're telling me the next morning they already have a prototype. And if there's something that needs to be changed, they can also do it very quickly. That, that, that's quite an achievement. Yeah, it's, it's very similar to 3D printing in other areas. You know, the 3D printing that most people are familiar with is that of objects, sometimes made of plastic, sometimes made of metal. Um, where, you know, there too, people used to have to turn to some outside third party to, to make that initial mock-up for them. And now it's very common for designers or for mechanical engineers to say, great, I have this idea. I'm not going to ask somebody external to do it for me. I'm not going to hang around waiting. I'm going to hit print on my 3D printer. And I can, you know, I can check this thing out. I'll test it tomorrow. I'll see if it fits, if it works, if it's strong enough. And now what we're bringing essentially is that capability and that same capability of doing it yourself mm-hmm. on site uh, to, the, to the electronics guys. And actually, I speak to quite a lot of them, and they're often a bit jealous in a the sense. They're sitting there for a few years. They've been looking at their mechanical colleagues who've been churning out prototypes overnight, and they've been looking at the software guys who can do various versions of the software you know, from one day to the next. And actually, the electronics engineers, the guys working on the PCBs, own what is often the guts of, of modern, you know, modern uh, equipment, modern products. Those guys are stuck waiting for their prototypes, and, it, and it's beginning to slow down development cycles. Wow! You know, they constantly have to be working on the next thing, and this can save them a lot of time. Wow! Very, very impressive. I, I see your printer. 
uses ink based on silver and copper. Are, are you the first to use metals that we know so well in a printer? In, in, in the sense of inkjet printing, um, as far as we're aware, I mean, really what our, what our printer does is it prints both polymers or plastics and metals in the same printer. Uh, and, and the type of printing we do is inkjet printing. So many people will be familiar with inkjet printing from the kind of printers they'll have at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but we use a, you know, slightly more advanced, more industrial, more, more precise form of inkjet printing. But it's, it's, it's fundamentally a similar, a similar technology where we print very small drops of, of polymers and very, very small drops of metals. Uh, and currently it's, it's mostly silver. Um, and that then allows one to, to build those structures and objects and lines that are needed to make the circuitry function. So, to get dr- just curious, cu- out of curiosity, to get a drop of silver, do you have to do you have to heat it up? Yeah, in a sense. Yeah, part part of the you know part of the secret sauce is is getting silver uh, into a state where it's liquid and something that you can print with. Mm-hmm. That's that's the first bit, and that's where we have our our guys in the lab, the nanochemistry people working very hard to make sure they can get bits of silver so small that they're maybe 10 nanometers in size, these nanoparticles of silver, which you can then get into a, into a liquid ink. But once you've printed it, you then also have to essentially put it back together again. You know, it's a bit like, uh, a bit like Humpty Dumpty. You break it down into small pieces, but then in order for that line that you've just printed to be electrically conductive, you have to get all of those little pieces to, to to fuse together and create a solid piece of metal um, once once again, and only then does it have the electrical functionality that you need to make a circuit work. So it's breaking things down really small, laying them down, and then getting them to, to fuse back together again. Simon, we certainly can tell from your accent, you're, you're not a native-born. How, how did nanodimension come into being in Israel? Well, nanodimension is, is, I think, it's not just within Israel that it, it was almost, you know, destined to be here, but actually it's specifically in the, in the science park, which is on the borders of, uh, of two Israeli towns, uh, one Rehovot and the other Nestsiona. And this is, even on a global scale, probably one of the leading clusters, if not the leading cluster, for, for inkjet technology um, and inkjet printing in general. And if you look in the science park that we're based in, I look out of one window and I can see HP Indigo. I look out of the other window and I can see, you know, the world's largest 3D printing company, Stratasys, out of the other side. And the amount of know-how and technological skill that Israel has, particularly in the area of inkjet, and this type of inkjet was pretty much invented uh, in Israel as well. You know, companies like Cytex, uh, and HP Indigo have a very long uh, and, and established history of, of developing and commercializing inkjet uh, technologies. So it's not surprising that it's here. Yes, I, I actually uh, had the privilege of working with uh, Cytex uh, actually in, in the early 90s uh, when it was really considered, I'd say, with the flagship of, of Israeli high-tech or I don't think that was even a term used, or Israeli tech, but you're right, with, with Indigo, I think it, it, it certainly hasn't been overnight that Israel really has established itself having real expertise in the printing, you know, the technical printing industry. I, I think it's, yeah, it's fair to say that you know, printing, printing is, it boils down to two things. You know, it's, about, it's about how you put down material, 
and it's about which kind of material you're putting down. And and what one's seeing now is that you know, with three D printing, the way in which the material is put down is now not just in X and Y; it's X, Y, and Z. So you're not printing really your building. And in terms of the materials, you know, the materials, it's not just putting down color to make a pretty picture, but it's having mechanical or other functional properties. Is it hard? Is it soft? Is it bendy? Is it conductive? Um, does it insulate against heat? Um, can you dissolve it? Uh, how does it how does it do in sunshine? So there are all kinds of different parameters that you have to start taking into consideration when printing becomes building, and it's maybe even building functional objects. And so you know, this know-how in Israel of uh, nanochemistry, which is a very active area of research, and you have the Weizmann Institute just uh, next door, but a lot of a lot of research in that area, uh, in the area of nanotech, uh, is done in Israel. And then you have this infrastructure of printing know-how. Um, and you also, of course, have um, quite a lot of experience in Israel of, of 3D printing as well. You know, many of the um, more prominent 3D printing technologies, and certainly Stratus is an example of that, have have their roots in, in Israeli tech as well. So it's very much bringing together all sorts of disciplines um, to create processes whereby you can make new things in different ways. Yeah, and new new things. I'm I'm just thinking to myself if 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 Mr. Gutenberg would come back to life for a day or so, uh, he would still find people putting ink, as you say, putting something on something else, ink on paper, but printing, as you describe it, uh, has has gone way beyond anything I think he could have ever imagined. Oh, absolutely. I think he'd be he'd be you know more than uh, more more than proud, and and probably quite quite taken aback. <laughs> And you know, one sees uh, you, you know you see that even even in the, the printing of pictures now, people are beginning to say, well, look, you know, I want to print a Van Gogh, but I don't just want to print the image. I want to have the texture. I want to have the relief. I want to have the you know the bits where there are lumps of ink that stick up. And so even pictures, people now want to be able to print those in 3D, so you can really replicate the painting as an object, not just as an image. I noticed on your website uh, that there was a mention that your product can serve a $10 billion market. Who are the potential customers in that market? Well, luck luckily, uh, you know, from our perspective, really circuit boards are nowadays they're absolutely everywhere. There isn't a product that, uh, you know, that doesn't have a, have a circuit board in it, or at least probably uh, that won't have one soon. You know, you think you've got your phone, you've got your, you know, on your person you probably have a, a blipper for a car, you've got your cell phone, you, probably, you may well have a smartwatch or a Fitbit. Mm -hmm. I have a Fitbit watch. I'm looking right at it. So you're telling me there's, there's a PCB in there. Okay. There's a PCB in, you know, any, anything and everything pretty much either has one or will have one soon. And that means there's a, a phenomenal amount of development going into getting circuitry into places that it's never been before. And the circuitry that's in traditional places like computers or telephones is getting smaller and it's getting faster, and it sometimes has to be bendier. And, you know, so there are lots and lots of pressures on the development of electronics, and there's no excuse uh, you know, that's accepted. Time has to be compressed. And so in, in turning towards the electronics developers, which is the market that we're, that we're focused on, you know, we could be speaking to people in the automotive industry, and we are. Uh, we're speaking to people in the defense industry, in telecoms, in aerospace, in regular IT or in IoT or Internet of Things applications, absolutely all of these areas have 
one shared common goal, which is can I make my development process quicker? Can I get my product to market faster? Uh, and through 3D printing in-house, they can. And, and if the truth were known, I'd say, look, you know, that's exactly what we're doing with our current product. What we really, you know, really get up excited about is we can see that there's, you know, there, there are things you can make with a 3D printer that you couldn't make with the traditional manufacturing technologies. And that's not something that's going to happen this year or next year. But you know, down the road, uh, and, it's, and it's probably not far over the horizon, when 3D printers start to print multi-materials with multiple you know, electrical and mechanical um, profiles and specifications, you can start making products that are smaller and more resilient um, and more higher functioning than one can today. And it's, it's, I think it's an exciting time um, to start seeing all of these things come together. So let me, my final question, when you refer to developers of electronics, uh, you know, we, we think of electronics, we think, uh, I've talked to many people uh, on this program about the Consumer Electronics Show, uh, you know, that gets big headlines every year in Las Vegas. Now, by the time a product gets to that show, uh, is, is it too late for you to sell them, or you have to, you have to get in while they're still on the, draw, you know, the proverbial drawing board? Well, it, it, it very much depends. I mean, we were, we were actually, we had a booth at CES this year, so we, we got to look at it firsthand. Mm-hmm. And the, the welcoming or reception that we had was, was, was great, and it was both from smaller companies and larger companies. If you think of the larger companies, they're planning their products you know, years, years ahead, um, and, they, and, and they would come to us and say, look, great, you know, this is something that will make our lives a lot easier. And if, you know, if when this thing is launched, you know, you could let me know, that would, that would really help us bring our, you know, upcoming things to market. Um, the startups who are perhaps a little bit, you know, they don't have quite, quite such a big planning department, um, you know, it might even be the kind of system they can't necessarily afford to buy for themselves. But if they were to share it with a few other startups, or if it were to be in an incubator, or maybe in some kind of kinkos, you know, like a, a service center for people that want circuit boards printed quickly, then you know they would also have access to the kind of technology that could really speed things up. That's interesting. Have you already seen someone sort of try to be a, a high-end kinkos with your product? Well, we 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 haven't uh, launched the product yet, but ah, certainly okay. you know one of one of the types of. Uh, Queries that we that we get, you know, beyond the sort of the, what you'd expect that the large R and D departments of you know the Fortune one, two, three, four hundred type companies, is also these people who say, look, you know, I've got I'm in an area where there are a lot of startups, so there's a lot of activity. If I had one printer and I would sell these services to you know to my local you know my local sort of um, cluster of companies, then you know it would be a win-win for all concerned. And in some ways, you know, this is also very popular. You've got in Europe and in the States, you have a lot of discussions about manufacturing disappearing to the East and all, you know, and all this sort of, you know, global competition. And, you know, I think the ability to start doing some of this prototyping closer to home, you know, have that prototype be made in the USA or made in, in the UK or made in France or made in Germany or made in Israel um, has an appeal that is, you know, not just economical, but also uh, political as well. Well, I, I uh, find this uh, 
technology very exciting. I think, as you say, it's it's it may it may we may not see it as the consumer, uh, but the people who are making things for us. Uh, it seems like there's going to be uh, products that are going to get to market much faster, and uh, uh, the the opportunity to innovate and uh, compete. Uh, it, it certainly uh, will make the playing field very interesting. We wish you great success. We uh, look forward to reading about you. And if my any listeners uh, are interested in your product, uh, they know who to reach now. And uh, thank, you, thank you for taking the time today. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. Feel free to visit us at www.pstein.com or look for Philip Stein & Associates on Facebook and LinkedIn. 